Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Annette Stevenson. The current COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic has changed and disrupted so many areas of daily life for citizens globally. And one of the disruptions that's occurred, and certainly in no small part, is the disruption to the public education system in our country and globally, and of course, also here in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's K through 12 school entities are currently shuttered through the remainder of this academic year. And this has vastly impacted how the youth are being educated and how schools are operating. And this introduces new challenges that are unprecedented. Here with me today to discuss how COVID-19 has impacted equity in the public education system is Dr. Heather Bennett, Director of Equity Services for PSBA. Welcome, Heather. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks so much for joining us to talk about this. We certainly have talked about equity in other ways before this outbreak has occurred, but it's very clear to see that this is no small impact to the equity or student inequity uh, conversation. So let's start by looking at how has the current COVID-19 pandemic and the precautionary measures such as closed schools, closed businesses, impacted the existing inequities that K through 12 students are regularly faced with? Well, that's a big question. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's really important to understand that COVID-19 um, as a, a virus um, does not discriminate on its, on its face, but it does serve and act as an inequity bomb or an inequity accelerant um, throwing gasoline on an already explosive fire. Um, um, that, regarding the the deep inequities that we already see in our educational system already, mm-hmm. um, so it's important that we recognize that the inequity gaps are not just seen in our education system. It's seen in our employment, economic, housing, healthcare, environmental systems as well. And so um, we know that um, these gaps existed well before the pandemic, but unfortunately, I think we're going to see that they're only going to widen. Again, that's what I meant by equity accelerant um, over the course of the pandemic and beyond. And um, it's important to recognize that even though this is impacting everyone and all of society, that is disproportionately impacting certain groups that are already at risk prior to the pandemic. We're talking about economically disadvantaged students, English learners, students with disabilities, students who've experienced trauma and mental health, um, immigrant students, LGBTQ students, students of color, and those who are living in rural communities who don't have access to certain resources such as healthcare, and internet connectivity. Um, so in terms of issues, um, I try to, hopefully I, I kind of gave you a nice little roundabout <laughs> explanation of that. But in terms of issues, um, we're seeing increased discrimination of aging students, hmm. and families, um, because of they're experiencing higher rates of racist attacks verbally, physically, um, and online um, because of the fact that, you know, the pandemic, that we know was first discovered in Wuhan, China. And so we're experiencing a whole lot of racism um, on behalf of Asian Americans on behalf of that. We're talking about access to digital learning and instruction um, is a huge issue as well. You know, uh, we have a disparate, inequitable educational gap when it comes to access to devices, access to internet connectivity, 
um, meaning high speed broadband internet connectivity, um, and of course, access to instruction. Um, for teachers to be able to utilize the device and to teach online, but also the choice of instruction. How are we um, educating our most vulnerable learners, such as English learners, economically disadvantaged learners, and of course, students with um, disabilities? Um, we're talking about access to basic needs, food, housing, transportation, healthcare. We're talking about issues of trauma and mental health. Uh, not just for students, but also for parents and communities and also teachers. Mm -hmm. um, this whole experience has definitely shifted and I think caused, I would call like a, a community trauma that everyone's experiencing and um, issues of fear, anxiety, the increasing isolation has definitely led to a lot of mental health concerns um, uh, for everyone. Again, lack of effective communication about COVID-19. Mm -hmm. I mean, every seconds we're hearing <laughs> a thousand different things from our federal government to our state to a local government. Um, then also anything we find on, the, on, on our social media um, sites. But also the fact is, you know, is the important information being getting, getting out to our most vulnerable families, families who don't, whose English is not their first language. Mm. So issues of language is important. Um, also, internet connectivity is important here. Again, we are more isolated. We can't actually go to the places to get the information like we used to. So mm. if we're talking about families who don't have access to high speed broadband internet, um, they're not getting the information as quickly as others. And also, especially if all that information is on the school website. So yeah, I mean, there's others like family and community engagement. How are they engaged? Um, how dealing with issues of employment, loss of jobs, but also not just the financial stress happening in our homes across um, the country, but also across Pennsylvania, but also the fact that essential workers are, are, have no choice but to work and risk getting the virus. So that emotional stress is also impacting our students um, and our families. It, it, there's a thousand issues, but those, those are the ones I would say are the big issues, but all of them also kind of have like smaller, distinct, very um, nuanced issues as well. And again, these issues is, are not new. They're just been exasperated and exposed um, mm. to um, COVID-19. Yeah. And actually that, that kind of leads into what I was curious about next is, do you feel like it takes something this major to ultimately fully kind of peel back the layers or reveal all of the inequities or at least the ones that were kind of centered around in this conversation that exist in the student and the community populace? Like, does it take something like this to actually expose it fully? You know, it shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, I think um, how we've operated, our systems operate in a space of reaction, mm -hmm. um, reactionary um, mindsets more than a preemptive mindset. Um, I think most districts and schools recognize the inequities well before COVID-19. Sure. Um, and actually, we're developing programs and policies to deal with some of these inequities. Mm -hmm. um, however, these are systemic, deep-rooted inequities that will take a complete transformation and paradigm shift in how we view and value our students and communities, and also how we resource our communities. And so for an example, we've always known that digital learning was an important thing before the pandemic. Everyone understood there's been so many research and, and articles and um, uh, state grants that have talked about the importance of digital equity and digital learning. However, due to 
inequitable funding and resources um, rooted sometimes in systemic racism, classism, um, and also the fact that uh, we have the lack of resources to build the infrastructure for some of these um, uh, for some of these digital learning platforms for internet connectivity. Um, some schools have had the opportunity and the resources to provide digital learning, resources, tools, and training to their students, teachers, and parents, while other districts did not have the economic or the techno technological um, infrastructure and resources to do so. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, it's deep. It, these are deep-rooted issues. We know that we, people have thought about them before, but we really are dealing with a resource gap big time that have led these inequities to continue and also to exasperate. And we see this dynamic big time in our urban and rural communities and districts. Mm -hmm. um, so when we went to remote learning, uh, and I don't want to go in too deep, but we went to remote learning, digital learning was the, the way to provide instruction, but not everyone has had had access to the things that they need to be able to provide that instruction um, while other districts have had so much time prior to the pandemic to actually develop um, the resources and the tools to do it effectively so yeah. this is seeing this really big gap and um and again i believe that it's only going to widen because of the nature of how this pandemic has ravaged our system mm -hmm. um, and again, I think we are still stuck. One of our other problems is that we're still stuck viewing our educational system through an equality lens instead of an equity lens. Hmm. We have to recognize that our kids require different supports and may need more resources to provide them with a quality education. Um, and this requires districts to really assess their gaps, to really look and do a deep dive at their system and structures. I mean, I'm talking about their policies, talking about how they engage families and communities, um, talking about how they think about their own resources and prioritizing resources, um, how they educate their teachers and staff. And I think that can go a long way um, to really trying to figure out a plan and action to mitigate some of these inequities. Because without that, it's going to be very, very hard to address it effectively. Hmm. I think, you know, some of what at least that I've seen, and you may be more keenly aware of this, um, but the communities, it, it's clear through this whole thing how integrated the community is with the school system you know it it's it's really not like a separate thing like the community and then the school system they're really so integrated and reliant right the community i think what we've seen is communities are reliant on to some degree the public schools especially in some communities as you've said for information that gets passed out through the students um and, and just just the reliance there i think is more I'm seeing that more and more, especially through some of the stories that are coming out of the districts in the ways that they're uh, supporting the communities presently. So how do you think that school districts, you know, working with these challenging parameters that are necessary, right? So due to the risks, uh, health risks surrounding coronavirus, how can the school districts address some of the gaps and continue to support the students who are the more susceptible or the more vulnerable? How can they continue that equity work in these current circumstances? I think you made an amazing point there. I think schools kind of stand as the center of the community. Um, they're not just in charge of and responsible for the education of students, 
but they also reach out to multiple different other systems like the healthcare system, employment system, the, um, the environmental um, um, issues and concerns of the system. Um, uh, we're talking about economic systems. So the school district itself, I think, serves as like a, a focal point of the community. And what we've seen is that they're providing safety, wellness, nutrition, technology needs for students and families in this situation. Mm -hmm. We're always doing so beforehand. So I think schools have a really um, important role to play, but also that if it's done correctly can actually heal a community as mm. well. I think one of the first things that I would advise um, to continue this work is they really need to talk to and include the voices of their students, parents, and communities into any type of planning moving forward. Um, I know continuity educational plans went out, but any type of actual planning moving forward has to include these voices. Cultural responsive practices um, indicate that really focus on and affirming the diverse voices and experiences of students, families, and communities, and how each community is experiencing this, is, is experiencing this virus and this pandemic in very divergent and disparate ways. And so it is so important that their voices are heard um, to be able to really understand the, the gaps, um, understand the disparity gaps, understand the inequity gaps that um, are impacting their district um, as a whole. Um, it's really important to see it from different viewpoints and, and to really reach out and create really a task force of these voices so that they can actually start to make practices to really heal and, and mitigate um, the impact of this, of the pandemic, but not just the pandemic, but even before the pandemic. I say they need to embed equity into their district practices. I'm thinking, thinking about they have to evaluate their policies and practices through an equity lens. Um, again, I think the most important element is to get out of this equality lens framework and move into an equity lens framework and what does that mean? And so that actually means really thinking about how our policies are structured and also what do they mean and whether they can actually cause more harm if we don't really think about addressing how other, how different persons and different peoples and populations and groups in your, in your district are experiencing their education. Um, they need to really obtain data. I think data collection is probably one of the first things they need to do um, and really assessing um, what did they learn from the yeah. pandemic. <laughs> and, uh, and I know that some districts are, are moving in rapid pace and they're trying to mitigate, like really trying to provide for their kids as fast as possible, really the basic needs um, space. But what did they learn from this pandemic? What do they need to, you know, what gaps do they have in practice? I think that is going to be an extremely um, important, introspective, important role that they need to do. And my advice to districts after this is over, when you have the time to breathe, conduct an equity audit. Okay. Okay. Yes. And also professional development, uh, I think is important. Professional development for teachers and parents on digital learning, social emotional learning, culture responsive practices, really what is equity, but also kind of professional development on how to utilize some of these new technologies and devices or um, resources that you now are have to embed into your educational practice because of the pandemic. Like, you know, those how to's like, how do you deal with this? How do you change? How do you shift? These are professional development and training opportunities that I think are extremely important. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, you got to develop a plan. In this case, more than ever, you have to have a plan how to move forward. And I think the, the previous um, comments that I made before 
all will help develop a plan that it should be comprehensive to really dealing with the achievement and opportunity gaps that we're going to see come out of this pandemic. So, I mean, I have probably a thousand other thoughts, but these are the big ones in my head. Yeah, so. yeah you're touching on the big ones, and I know you're going to be working on some additional resources coming up here and already are. So you talked about kind of the data collection coming out of this. So let's talk about, you know, what this looks like as an outcome. What do you believe will be the outcome coming out of the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak? In other words, more specifically, how will things have changed for students who prior to the outbreak were already struggling in some of these areas that we talked about? How will things have changed? What's that going to look like for them coming back to the school buildings and back into the more traditional or what we're accustomed to as the traditional learning environment? I think what we're gonna see is a reimagining, what I hope it, that we're gonna see is a reimagining of educational practices and structures. Um, because of the pandemic, um, because of the, the, rap, the rapid fire of the pandemic, I mean, schools really had to adapt quickly. I mean, within days. Yeah. Um, to provide resources and to provide instruction for students. I find that very exciting moving forward uh, because of the fact that I think districts recognize that equity is playing front and center here. They really are seeing that our kids cannot learn if we don't really deal with the inequitable root issues that we're of, of access to basic needs, access to technology, access to digital learning. I think our districts are recognizing that and they're also recognizing that they can be very flexible and creative in the way instruction is done. That is something really exciting. Um, and so what my hope is that our students are gonna come in and they're gonna come in with a lot of issues. They're gonna come in, I think we'll have more children who are going to be um, levels of poverty is gonna be a huge conversation. Uh, because of the lack of, um, a lot of uh, families lost their jobs during the midst of this pandemic. And we have no idea what moratoriums are going to look like in terms of rent or mortgage or um, housing utilities. And so they're going to have to figure out ways to pay all of those things off after the end of the pandemic as well. So I think we're going to have a lot more children who are needing a lot of resources and basic resources. Um, I feel like we're going to have a lot more teachers students um, and parents who are going to have issues with trauma and mental health. Mm. Um, I think that's going to be a huge element and issue as well. And I think another element that I think we're going to see is we're going to see extreme achievement. We're going to see opportunity achievement gaps um, widen because of the fact that some students don't have access to the resources um, needed to um, be able to engage effectively and adequately um, with digital learning. So and also schools are, and districts are doing it very differently. So it depends on the district that you're in. And so I think we're gonna see a lot of um, achievement and opportunity gaps within, um, within schools, within districts, but we're also gonna see it between districts as well in Pennsylvania. Um, so that's what they're gonna walk into. But at the same time, I say that there are positive elements of the fact that I think, again, I think our districts are recognizing how equity is playing in this. Um, and two, I think they recognize that they have to be very flexible and they have to be very creative in how they are administering instruction and education and supporting students. And the third piece, again, is I think they're going to really focus in on a lot of the trauma and emotional health of students and families and communities. 
because um, we know if kids don't feel safe, if they don't feel like they belong, they're not going to learn anyway. So I think those three elements are going to be something that we're going to see a lot more in our educational um, practices and plans across the Commonwealth and also across the country. Hmm. And you, you talked about how in this space, there's a lot of reactionary things that occur. Do you think that with these gaps is also going to then maybe follow with the reactions and hopefully there is supports and assistance that comes into place because of these inequities that are revealed? Do you kind of foresee that occurring? I hope so. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I know it's hard to say, but an optimist I wouldn't be doing this job if I wasn't because but we also know that we have a tendency um, to move quickly in times of crisis but then we as time moves on we forget mm -hmm. um, and we go back to the status quo and we cannot go back to the status quo here we really have to um, dig deep here um, and recognize that this is an opportunity to actually reshift a system that wasn't doing what we, that were actually harming kids to begin with. Um, so how do we do that? And so my my hope is is that districts will now recognize that they have to have these plans in place because again, I don't think anyone really thought uh, back in even when we recognized that you know COVID nineteen was a possibility even in January, early February, that this was actually going to go the way it, it, it has gone. Mm -hmm. And so I think districts are now going to have to really think critically um, and again, creatively of how education and instruction can continue in the midst of crisis, but not just in the midst of crisis. They also need to think about in the midst when there is not a crisis, like how do we really support kids um, effectively in our educational system? Um, I think that is a question that they're going to be really grappling with. And I think hopefully they're gonna put things in place to make sure that their teachers are trained, their parents are trained, and their students have the necessary resources to be able to learn effectively whether they're at home or whether they're in the classroom. Mm -hmm. okay. So that's my hope. Um, and again, I, I really want and hope that they recognize that equity is not just a topic. It has to be the foundation that mm -hmm. lifts up every aspect of the educational experience for students, staff, and community members, and of course our board directors. It has to stay in that vein, or we're gonna lose our, our students in the process. And I think districts are recognizing this more than ever because of what's happening with COVID-19. And I hope that they recognize that they have to put it at the top of their um, uh, their agendas and, uh, and not think of equity as like, a, a maybe we'll talk about it here. No, it has to be the main, main it has to be the main foundation, has to be the main keystone um, to be able to create an effective educational system that's gonna work for all of their kids. Mm -hmm. Wow. So clearly there's more to cover and talk about in this space. I know you're working on um, a ton of resources and you're working with school districts um, during workshops and you've got webinars going on. So we're gonna look for ways to uh, make sure we get the word out on all of those elements uh, coming forward here. So thanks for joining us today on this episode and kind of giving us an, uh, an high level overview and we look forward more to come from you. Thank you for having me. Keystone Education Radio is produced by the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you to sponsors Edgenuity and Austill's Educational Therapy Services for helping to make this episode and other content possible. 
Visit keyedradio.org for more information on today's discussion and to access past episodes. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and share with other education advocates. Follow Keystone Education Radio and PSBA on social media. This is Annette Stevenson saying thank you for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.